Welcome to the Overcoming Sexual Abuse Podcast, where you get the tools and inspiration to help you overcome childhood sexual abuse. I'm your host, Christina Anavoldson, certified coach, author, and incest survivor, and I'm here to help you heal and live your very best life. If you've experienced the fear about facing your past and find yourself avoiding the real work of healing, this is for you. I'll show you why it feels impossible to move past the fear, and I'll give you some very powerful and practical steps to take so you can finally get on with your healing and with your life. The experience of being sexually abused as a child feels a lot like drowning. You're fighting to keep your head above water, struggling to get from one day to the next. You're a child alone, and you don't understand what's happening. You don't have words for your experience. You feel shame and confusion and pain. So you grab on to some creative coping methods, which is a lot like a raft. And the raft is so much better than not having a raft. But there's a tiny hole in the raft. And as time goes by, the coping methods feel less and less effective. And you need more and more of them. That's because coping methods are only meant to be a short-term help, not a long-term solution. The raft can't take much weight or pressure, and you really never feel that safe with it. But you haven't died either, so that's something. And then the boat of healing comes along, and the boat promises to take you to solid ground, to dry land. And you have the chance to get on the boat, but it's really scary to let go of that raft. That raft has saved you. But you don't know about the boat. You don't know about dry land. All you know is that raft. And maybe, even though the boat is there to help you, it seems kind of threatening. So you don't know whether to grab a hold of it or push it away. So you're stuck between wanting to get on the boat and not wanting to get on the boat. And you might notice that same pattern not just in healing, but in anything new. Because we actually follow the same push-pull pattern when we venture into those unfamiliar, uncharted waters. Anything unfamiliar. And this dynamic might show up in a new relationship, a different city you move to, or another level of growth. And it's important to recognize that there is always that tension. It's not an abuse survivor thing. It's a human thing. And there's part of you that wants to expand and explore and feel fulfilled and wants adventure and possibility and potential. And that's what healing gives you. Or in maybe you're not in the place to think about potential, or maybe you can't think of all of that yet. Maybe for now, you're more interested in simply being out of pain. And that's your idea of the promised land. So whatever it is, Whether it's fulfillment or just being out of pain, there's a part of you that is really tired of how things have been, and that part of you is eager for the boat. But there's another part of you, that subconscious part of your brain, that's only interested in the raft. It's not interested in improvement. It's passionate about survival. In fact, its only job is to keep you alive. And that's the part of you that found the raft in the first place. It gave you coping methods to get you through. And those coping methods worked well enough because if you notice, you're still alive. And once a pattern or habit is established, your brain files that as survival and hangs on to it as though it's life or death. 
So the brain interprets that change, changing to the boat, as death. And part of that part considers unfamiliar or new things as dangerous. And even if the present circumstances aren't ideal, the raft isn't that great. They are safe enough that you survived yesterday. And your brain knows what to expect in the present circumstances in the raft. And that level of certainty gives it a sense of safety. And so it chooses survivable over optimal. So it's going to fight for the status quo. It's desperate not to change, which means that it wants you to stay on the raft. It's doing its job to keep you safe. So it's already looking at possible risk to healing. It looks for possible threats. And not only that, but it discounts how healing might make your life better or safer. There are a lot of unknowns to healing if you've never done it before. There's the general unknown of not knowing what you don't know. And when you've only known abuse and dysfunction and pain and running from symptoms, it's very difficult to imagine living whole and free and happy. How will this impact your relationships? What will it require of you? How will you deal with the pain? Is there a real you under there somewhere? So whether you're consciously considering these questions or not, that part of you that keeps you safe, that subconscious part of your brain is already calculating them. And when you think about the healing, it's unfamiliar, it's unknown, it's uncertain. And so that sets off that fear alarm. And I love this quote from Mastin Kip. He says, the thing that protects you is also the thing that holds you back. So true, especially in this. So you might recognize your response of fear when it comes to your healing. But what's funny is that it doesn't always feel like fear. It very often wears a mask of something else, something very reasonable that keeps you from taking the necessary steps forward. It can look like drama, interruptions, distractions. Maybe you get sick. Your child gets in trouble at school. You have a plumbing emergency. You get a sudden urge to learn French or clean out your garage. You get a better idea about what your next step in healing is. You tell yourself, yes, I do need to heal, but first I need to know more about it. I need to read another book. I need to wait for my kids to get older. I need to wait till I'm not so busy. Maybe I should retire first. So that resistance hides behind being responsible. And getting lost in the obligations of daily life, taxes and carpools and laundry. And sometimes resistance comes from outside as criticisms or complaints. Loved ones telling you that you aren't spending enough time with them or that you've changed. Resistance is always there offering better or easier. And all of that sounds so logical and it gives you an easy out for not healing. Because it's not a no to healing, it's a not yet. Just notice that those aren't yeses, and notice that they won't get you closer to the action of healing. And there's always going to be another thing in the way. And that resistance will just manifest in another area of your life. Chances are an area you're already struggling with. So an example of that is if you're a people pleaser. You'll say yes to everyone else but you. 
And you might even complain about how much you're doing and you might resent it, but you won't change it because actually it serves you. It gives you a really convenient excuse to avoid healing. And you might think, I couldn't possibly have made XYZ happen that I need to focus on that instead of my healing. I didn't give myself a plumbing emergency. And there are things that are outside of your control. However, how much of your involvement in the circumstances are you claiming is outside of your control? Like maybe your best friend's husband left her and she needs you. But how much does she actually need you? And why does her need dictate whether you heal or not? Or maybe you have a termite infestation and your house needs to be tented and you need to move to a hotel. Okay. Well, the termites invaded your house, but they don't have to invade your mind. You can do the necessary actions of taking care of all of that without adding the drama to it. You can do what needs to be done and still take care of yourself. Not everything needs to be a diversion. This might be a new way of thinking, I know, I get that. Do I do this perfectly? Absolutely not. But the point is your subconscious is very powerful. It can keep you distracted and focused on hundreds of other things. One thing will be resolved and another thing will come up. It will try to block you with confusion or overwhelm. It will try to stop you by finding something intolerable about your therapist Resistance comes in a lot of forms, and it's all meant to keep you safe. Isn't that really nice of your subconscious? So while I was healing, I was threatened with a lawsuit from our former pastors for speaking about abuse, and I was sued by my parents for speaking about my dad's abuse that he perpetrated on me. We were homeless. Our car was repossessed. My marriage almost broke up. And I had a miscarriage, and then my dad died. (laughs) So it might seem like the reasonable thing to do is to put healing on hold during those tough times. And maybe that is reasonable. But when will life be easier if you don't heal? How long will you wait for life to cooperate? And how long will you put your life in the hands of circumstances instead of taking control of your own life? There is a myth or illusion that someday or in the future your time will open up. And the reality is you have to make the time and often cut something else out or say no so you can do the things that matter most to you in the long run. There is always a good reason not to heal right now. All right, so we looked at understanding what's happening in your brain so you can work with it instead of fighting against it. And it makes things so much easier when you're not fighting with your brain. And we looked at those hidden ways fear and resistance shows up in the healing process. So what if you're aware of the fear? It's that classic fear response instead of that hidden resistance. What if that shows up and you're not trying to fool yourself about healing? You know you're scared and you just can't make yourself move forward. You might notice your heart beating faster and your breathing might be faster and your blood pressure might go up. And all of that is to prepare you to take action to flee or to fight. And you're probably very familiar with that feeling. But think about this. You're revved up for action and your action could be to run away. Or you could use that revved up sensation to charge toward healing. 
okay, so how do you do that? Especially in that fight or flight, uh, how's that going to happen? Okay, well, you have to work with your nervous system because no amount of logic will convince you to move forward when your nervous system is primed to run away. There are several ways to work with your nervous system, and you might be familiar with other ways that are also effective. I'm going to focus on one that is perfect for this circumstance. So you need an emotion that is stronger than fear. And what I know is stronger than fear is love. So fear has an effect on us, and it activates our sympathetic nervous system, and that's that fight or flight. And then compassion activates our parasympathetic nervous system, which calms us and helps us focus. So we might still be facing that same threatening thing, but compassion leads us to run toward danger if we sense that we can be of help. And this is important because a lot of survivors are in touch with the motivation not to be in pain. That's something to get away from. So in healing might be about running away from, but you need something that's going to take you toward. So think about it like this. If you offered me a million dollars to take a canoe through alligator infested waters to an island, uh, no amount of money would compel me to do that. It's just not going to happen. But what if you told me that my three-year-old granddaughter was on the island? Well, that changes everything. Absolutely nothing would stop me from getting to her. I don't care about any alligators. So you need that kind of reason to heal. You need a heart reason, one that you can really feel so that when your fear signals, you keep pursuing, you keep going. And it needs to be something that generates a stronger emotion than the fear. So get your emotions involved in making a more productive decision around healing. And you can ask yourself a couple of questions. Ask, what would healing do for you? What's the end result? And remember, keep love in mind. What would healing allow you to do? What would make it worth facing the challenges of healing? What are the ripple effects of healing? How would that impact others around you? What's the bigger picture here? So I had two heart reasons. One of them was my children. I inherited a legacy of abuse and victimization, and I passed that on to them. And though they were adults when I started healing, I knew healing was the only way I could change that legacy. And my other heart reason was that I knew there were other survivors waiting on the other side of my healing. I wanted to show what was possible, and that kept me going when it got hard. I found a way through because I knew others would face those hard things too. And I wanted to be able to say, you can do it. So the next question to ask yourself is, what will happen if you don't heal? What's the cost of staying the same? What's the cost now but what's the cost five years from now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now because just as healing has ripple effects not healing has ripple effects what's the cost not only to you but to your children if you have children what's the ripple effects a generation from now two generations from now 
What's the cost to the world? So the benefit of imagining the consequences is to get more in touch with the fear of not healing. And that way you're using fear to your advantage. Instead of it standing in front of you (laughs) to try to stop you, it's standing behind you. And that's a lot more useful. Because the real fear is living a life where you've settled and compromised what you really wanted and where you've let abuse consume your whole life. It's already taken your childhood. Don't let it consume your whole life. So you don't need to eliminate fear. Instead of trying to avoid it or bypass it, take a detour around it, you can use it to your advantage. And once you've done that, here's another exercise. So imagine a few years from now, when you've already faced your past, you've healed, it doesn't haunt you anymore. And you could think of what happened to you and you feel compassion for yourself, but you don't feel any pain. It's already resolved. Your old coping methods don't keep you trapped anymore and your life actually feels like it belongs to you. You belong to you. You feel free and whole and happy. And maybe you're standing up for yourself. Maybe you're pursuing a dream. Maybe you're truly present with your child. So what is that for you? What's a specific scene where you can imagine that would represent the benefits of your healing? That would be a picture of your progress. What's something that your abuse affects now, but that would be different then? So watch that. Imagine that as though it's happening in the present moment. See the details of it. Imagine where you are, who you're with, what's being said, and feel it. Remember, your emotions have to be involved in it. This isn't about thinking. It has to feel real to you as though you're experiencing it. And then next, imagine the same scene from a different point of view. See the scene from the view as an onlooker. What do you see? What do you feel? What do you hear? What do you notice? And let yourself have that experience because that's part of that equipment for whatever challenge healing brings. So imagine your future. When you do that, it's actually like having a memory of it as though it already happened. Now, remember I said you can run away from healing or you can run toward it? If you run from what you fear, the act of running confirms to your brain this is dangerous and that reinforces the habit of running away. But there's something powerful that happens when you willingly face what you fear. When you turn to look at what you're afraid of, your body responds to it and it engages with it in an empowered way. You have access to your creativity and your imagination and that obstacle in front of you can become just a challenge. A practical way to do that, and I recommend this to all my clients, is to start a healing journal. Record all of the scary things. So any of your triggers, your memories, if you have nightmares, flashbacks, when they pop out, capture them in your journal. Contain them. That makes you the hunter, and that's a very different relationship with those things than you feeling like the prey. As hard as the circumstances are for you now, whatever you face now, whatever memories you face now, it was much harder for you as a child. You didn't have any control. You had no options. You couldn't comprehend what was happening. 
You didn't know when it was going to end. You were alone and you had no support. And you survived that by finding a way through. And that's amazing. You're amazing. And you still have that ability in you now to find a way through no matter what you're going through. So fight for yourself. Fight for the little child in you who was betrayed and abandoned. Do everything in your power to heal for that little child's sake. But you do get to choose. And since you're listening to this podcast, you're someone who wants something better. You want to see what you're capable of, what you could do with your life for yourself, for your family, and for the impact that you can make on the world. And if that's you, I have something for you. I have a worksheet I've created for you with expanded versions of these same exercises that we already worked through. And you can use that to help your brain to get past that fear, to work with that fear, and to focus on the love. So you can work with your brain instead of against it. To get your free worksheet, go to the show notes page at overcomingsexualabuse.com forward slash 002. And when you download that, be sure to accept my invitation to subscribe to my emails and I'll send you lots of helpful healing tips. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for joining me. I am bringing you lots more on healing boundaries, self-care, family dysfunction, and all that fun stuff. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything.